I'm Branitoba, and you're listening to Branitoba Talks, a discussion podcast. So this week, guys, I've actually got a guest on with me, and I'm super excited for it. He's actually one of my best friends. Uh, his name is Jeremy Block. He is a professor at Nate, which is a pretty prestigious school here in Alberta. Uh, it's w- widely recognized around the world, so if you look it up, you'll see some good stuff about it. He is a professor of digital media and IT. And I've actually got him on today. He's going to share a little bit about what his journey to get there was and some other questions that I have for him. So here he is. Say hi, Jeremy. Hi, Brandon. Happy to be here. (laughs) Awesome. Great to have you. Great to have you. We're going to dive right in because I know uh, we don't have much time today, but we're going to go for it. So the first question I got for you, as I was saying, is what did your journey look like to get here today? Uh, So kind of a, a different journey to get me into being a instructor at technologies uh, post-secondary. Uh, I actually had a prior career working business type work uh, for the government. And when I was done with that, I thought I want to apply some of those skills in a technology type field. So I actually did take um, a diploma at Nate then. This was post degrees and everything else, uh, just to learn a little bit more about the technology. Uh, so then I was able to kind of apply both together to be able to get into um, the field that I'm in and, and, and get into the teaching aspect of things. I've, I've taught my whole life because um, uh, I'm also a music person. So I've taught music lessons privately for quite a while. So I was taking that teaching aspect, a lot of the skills I learned in business, working in government, and then adding on the the understanding I have now of technology. Um, so it actually works pretty well. I'm able to um, teach a lot of different things. Uh, so I, I do teach video games, how to make video games from a design perspective, um, artistic perspective, as well as graphic design, um, and I've taught a little bit of programming, but I wouldn't call myself a programmer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of a winding road. So I think one of the takeaways I often give my students is, you know, you're taking schooling in one thing, but you may not end up that place in your career. And and that's okay. It's It's about continuing to move forward. Awesome. I love to hear that. For sure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that need to hear, like, it's okay if this isn't what you want. You can definitely always work out something else afterwards. Totally. Or even stop now and pursue something else, right? Yeah, as long as you're moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. And I think one of the reasons we get along so well is because we we respect each other in that sense where we have different ways of going about things, but we still respect each other for how they do things. Exactly, exactly. I think that's that's one of the important things because as uh, society's kind of been changing, uh, like when my father was in his 20s, it was you go to school if you want a job, whether it's trade school, university, mm-hmm. whatever, that's what you had to do. And that's true to an extent today, but it's different. It's not the same hard and fast rule. There's different ways to get into different career streams now. And formal education is always valuable, but it doesn't have the same kind of, you have to have this or you can't do anything. Um, which is which was, yeah, the, the way it used to be. And I think that's going to continue to change. And I think um, post-secondary education is going to continue to change how they address that. And I really think 
future wise, we won't see as much of an emphasis on necessarily degrees unless you're going to be working in higher education. I think there'll be a lot of focus more on specific skill sets. So I'm going to take a short couple of courses because I want this specific skill set here. And so it's, it's, it's a thought called micro-credentialing. So I think mm. with information becoming available on the internet and the post-secondaries aren't the only people who have the information anymore, that I think that um, a lot of places are going to adjust now. Because um, you and I have talked, there's lots of um, online schooling that people can do, right? Like you can buy a course from, there's a number of different uh, platforms where you can buy like yeah. a yeah. course where you just watch the videos, right? So I think that post-secondary is going to adapt to that. And that's kind of the, the interesting thing working in it right now as it's going to go through this transition in education. I think the circumstances we're in right now where everybody's trapped online for a lot of these things is going to accelerate that change. It's going to show what's actually possible through um, a post-secondary and the, the different kind of value they can bring. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I really like that. I was actually saying in, uh, in my last episode, how we're like in the age of information and moving into the age of knowledge is going to take a lot of effort on like a student's part. Right. Or like the school's part, I think would be on the, the forefront of that actually using the information they have uh, to bring knowledge about applications on it, right? Absolutely. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of application. I'm glad, I'm actually glad you used that word because uh, like I've learned in university environments and I've learned in um, polytechnics, which is where I work. It's a polytechnic. It's a different type of post-secondary institute where the focus is on applied learning. So the idea not being, I'm not standing in front of the class talking at you for two hours and then you walk away and try to remember it all, uh, where it, instead it's saying, hey, here's how you do it. Now I want you to show me that you can do it too. Uh, and so applying the knowledge, because the knowledge is readily available anywhere on the internet now. So it's about understanding how to use it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, like I, I know how to program websites, but I've never gone to school for it. But yeah. applying certain techniques and stuff, I don't have the, the knowledge to do it. So I, there's a few courses that I'd love to take that could refine my skills, definitely. Yeah, I think, and I think that's, I mean, I try to bring that type of value to my classes. I don't come in and going, oh, I have all the answers. I don't. Mm -hmm. And I never will. Like, there's always going to be more information to learn in the digital yeah. media IT field. But what I can bring is a little bit more experience to say, hey, that's a cool way of doing it. And it works. But you could try it this way. And from my experience, that might work a little bit better. Oh, okay. For sure. I like it. Okay. Well, I'll get on to my next question here. Sure. Uh, so what does it take to get into your class or stay in your class even? Um, well, there's a number of things. I mean, my program, if you're wanting just to get into my program, it's fairly competitive. So you have to be thinking ahead. And I think that's a factor in most um, competitive institutions is planning ahead. Um, one of the things I find a lot of students get surprised by is you can't just apply two weeks before and be like, oh, what, I didn't get in? Um, we're used to that immediacy, but uh, post-secondaries fill up their spaces a lot earlier than that. Mm -hmm. So you got to be prepared in advance. You got to be planning. You don't need to know every step, but it's always about having a plan to moving forward. So you apply to the program six or nine months ahead. But I mean, once you get in and how you 
um, set yourself apart in there. I think there's a couple of things I, I try to tell all of my students. Um, one is attending class, I think is, is crucial. And I think it's an interesting thing because a lot of people think, well, the information's there so I can get it. And that's, that's where I think our information age has done a disservice to a lot of people. And I was this student as well. When I was a student was, oh, well, the teacher's given us all the information. I don't need to go to class. I don't need to listen to them. I don't need to waste my time. But wasting your time, quote unquote, uh, is that interaction and that application of the knowledge. Interacting with your teacher, interacting with your classmates is how you really start to um, crystallize that knowledge in your mind. So that's one of the things I encourage students. Uh, the other one is, what do you do beyond the classroom, beyond your specific targeted learning? Even if you're taking some kind of a course online or you're following some kind of a YouTube tutorial, whatever it is, if all you've done is that one way and that one exact thing that you're asked to do, that's all you're know, you know how to do. And it's about taking the skills and the knowledge and going beyond that. So if someone taught you how to make a digital uh, photo of, I don't know, a cat, and you illustrated it with all the tools that you've learned, uh, well, now you can make cats. But now you got to try and use those skills to figure out how to make a dog, let's say, or a bird or a human, whatever, whatever you're trying to create. And so it's about teaching yourself to learn those things and whatever format you're learning them in is applying that knowledge in other areas. And that's how you truly grow and kind of set yourself apart in the, the field and be able to create a career. Okay. So it's like uh, getting like really intense with like self-discipline and stuff too, right? It's kind Absolutely. of what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, definitely. It's that's, that's one of the challenging things I think. Um, and why one of the values I think that, formal education can bring is building that discipline in for you because if you're only learning at home you're incumbent upon yourself to set yourself deadlines and to follow your own deadlines to actually get the work done mm -hmm. um, your teachers are setting yourself setting you deadlines whether they feel arbitrary or not it's forcing you to get stuff done and then you have to take that and go beyond mm, okay fair enough yeah okay so what uh, what kind of direction could your students take like after graduation? Like what are the different routes they could kind of go down? Well, that's that's the cool thing about working in a digital media IT space is there's just a lot of different ways to go. And so what, what I try to do with my students is give them a really broad perspective of the industry, a lot of broad skills, and then they can specialize in the way they want. You if you're if it's gaming that you want to work in, there's tons of different jobs in that it's a highly competitive field but there's a lot of areas to work in you can be in animation uh in the actual game design level design uh, maybe you're just creating the 2d assets the, the 2d art for games or maybe you're creating 3d things for games the models and, and such um maybe you're creating some of the art for it so it, even just in the gaming side there's a lot of places but you can use those skills in a lot of other areas which is what i try to encourage my students to see because everybody knows oh okay yeah I, I love the witcher it's my favorite game i just want to make the next witcher and the witcher is so iconic because it is so singular and and so incredible that not everybody can make the witcher take 
took hundreds of people millions of dollars and years of time uh, where you can use those same skills and make a small game to begin with or maybe you're using those skills in other areas you can use a lot of the game development skills in graphic design so you're helping companies brand themselves um, you can also use it for businesses so I, I try to encourage my students to think outside of the box what are ways that you can use these skills um, a lot of businesses wouldn't even know that they could use these skills. There's a lot of ways you could create training software for bigger companies using game technology. Um, so I, I think the applications are pretty limitless. And so what I encourage is, is imagination. How can you use the skills you've learned? And this is where I say don't be trapped in whatever specific thing you've trained for because those skills can be applicable across a myriad of different ways. It's all limited by your own creativity and what um, yeah, different um, ways you can put it together. And I'm just thinking of a good example and it's escaping me. But I think that's really what I encourage is the creativity of thought of how to apply your skills. That's awesome. I really enjoyed yeah. a lot of that. I didn't know of some of the applications that you could use for business training and stuff like you were saying there. That's really sweet. That's where the money is. Mhm. Mm because those those are the those are the people that people that have the money to burn, right? Like large corporations. Yeah. When you think about people think, "Oh, well the gaming corporations have a lot of money and it, it, they do, but they also have very high expenses. So even if you're talking about a giant company like EA or Ubisoft or any of those really big ones, they have very high costs. It costs a lot of money to make a AAA game. So they don't they don't have money to throw around, even if they have a lot of it. Corporations might be different. Their overheads can be different. The way they're structured is different. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I know one grad we had, oh, many years ago now, uh, went out and created a gaming lab that, that worked only with corporations and uh, they did training for a number of different things. I think one of their biggest contracts they actually were doing was training for a military organization. So creating uh, simulations for mm. the soldiers. Uh, per cool application. Someone has to make that software for them, right? Yeah, like that's actually really sweet. Yeah, and that's 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 big money if if you're into that kind of an environment. Uh, you can still. Mm -hmm quote unquote make games they're just different kind they're not entertainment games yeah training games simulation games right yeah totally so that's really cool i like that um a lot of people go into this uh sorry what was i saying here <laughs> i lost my train of thought there for a second <laughs> a lot of people i talk about go into or talk to go into game design because they want to make big money on the other end is that really a possibility for most people or is that like when you get into the higher up contracts kind of thing? It's the higher up stuff. So I think, I mean, I would liken it to you go into singing because you want to be a superstar. How many superstars are there? Not mm. that many. And it's not just about being the best. It's about being the luckiest too, right? Yeah. There's a huge amount of luck in it. So, um, it's always a possibility. And I think what you want to do if that's your aim is how do you figure out how to um, bend the odds in your direction? What can you do to make your odds better? But I, I still say it's all, it's a gamble, right? Yeah. 
That's For why sure. we we put these these scions of business and entertainment it, like we sort of worship them. They're idols, right? Like, oh, look, they made it. And they are extraordinary people, but they're also lucky people. Yeah, for sure. I think luck has a lot to do with a lot of things when it comes to achieving higher places. Mm -hmm. Just like being right place, right time is definitely a factor. But dang, so there's so many directions you can go with this. Actually, guys, one of Jeremy's students did the artwork for my podcast. And if you find me on Instagram, I'll connect you with him because he wanted me to pass him along if I could. And I'll definitely do it if you need to use him. Yeah. Can I can I make a comment there? Because I think that's another thing um, mm -hmm. I like to tell my students and not from a cynical perspective, but uh, it's not always what you know, but sometimes who you know, uh, because that student did a good job, worked really hard proved that he wanted to work hard and so that's how you get referrals from your teachers or from other people is proving yourself is showing that you want to be there that you want to work hard um so i think it's about building good relationships too and that's that's a career thing no matter what industry you're in mm -hmm. yeah definitely i i always give people the advice of never burn any bridge if possible yeah. You never know where they're going to end up 10 years from now. I've run into people that I hated before, but now they're working with me and we're on a really good basis kind of thing. But you never yeah. know. Okay. So is this where you want to be forever as a professor or is there another big move in the future for you kind of thing? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm a person that has a forever place. Um, and, and Brandon knows this, but I've had... Uh, I, I say I've had lots of careers. I think I'm on my third one now. Uh, so prior to my time working in government, I was doing a music degree, well, done a music degree, um, was looking into more music-related stuff. Um, it's a tough, tough industry. Um, wasn't sure that, that I was up for that and had had my government job, which I wasn't really planning on it kind of came out of the blue but i i was ready for what opportunities were in front of me which i would always encourage people say yes to an opportunity what's the worst that could happen i don't know i for me it's worked out pretty well so uh i don't know this this job currently was a surprise it kind of it wasn't my end goal that i was aiming for but i'm happy with it but i think will i be teaching here for 30 years probably not uh, but I can't say that for certain. I, I like a lot of the things that go along with the job. But I mean, who knows? I am um, I'm open to possibilities, and I think that's what is interesting to me. I, I get bored easily, so you know, new challenges, new excitement. Yeah, for sure. It always uh, is a tough one when people are scared of moving on, kind of thing, and they don't know what's to be expected out of the unknown. I think you've done a pretty good job of it. Obviously, you've made your way and not really been too, too scared as from what I've seen. I don't Make know the what most of it. on your head. Yeah, exactly. So you get it. That's awesome. That's all, yeah. all the questions I had, but uh, cool. I've got a few more that I was thinking about during that because you and I are both huge gamers and I like yeah. to bring up video games on this podcast. Oh, totally. So first one I have for you is what are your top three favorite games of all time? Oh, ooh, that's a big one. Um, 
I have a lot of games that I like. I mean, you know, I have two series that I love. Um, I'm, I'm big into Final Fantasy. I'm big into Pokemon, uh, which makes it clear that I was a child in the, the late 90s. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I've by hours put in, I think Final Fantasy XIV has to be my favorite game. Um, I've played it for the longest, continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what it is that hooks me in there. I think it's that it's a story that just continues forever. Like, the game doesn't feel like it ever really ends. So that's that, that's kind of a fun one for me. But I have to say, um, I, I wouldn't say there's any, well... My favorite Pokemon would probably be when they remade um, Ruby and Sapphire, the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphires. I think those were like a definitive Pokemon experience and a bit of nostalgia for me. Um, You got the Megas, you got to Mega, all your old favorites. Um, Mm -hmm. Then the last one is tough. I'm kind of torn between two games that are, I don't know, they'd be on a lot of people's top 10 lists, but um, probably the first RPG that I really played through and tried to get everything and like 100% completionist uh, was Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars on uh, Super Nintendo. Dang. Um, man, it's just, it's it's still great. The, the comedy in it is just, it's just got a strange tone that I just love. Uh, it's kind of Mario anime. I don't know. It's kind of quirky. Um, the battle system's just complex enough that it that it's fun. It's not boring, but it's not like overwhelming. Um, and then there's just a few like really hard to get secrets. Um, I don't think I, I I would replay the game again. I don't think I'll try to get the, the super ultra, um, mega thing, mega, um, gloves for Mario when you have to get a hundred jumps in a row on a, on a bad guy and the timing gets harder and harder each jump. Um, yeah, that's it's a time-consuming thing. I don't have time like that anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other one, so I'm saying four. Sorry, but yeah. uh, <laughs> the the other one I um, really like, and I got finally got you into it, and our other friend Lance was Dragon's Dogma. Yes, such yes. an underrated game. It's uh, yes, people people. If you haven't played it, like go out and play it it's on like they've re-released it and remastered it for ps4 and mm-hmm. xbox 360 it was originally out on the ps3 or not xbox 360 xbox one that's i'm already behind the times uh we don't but, play xbox if you guys can yeah go. clearly <laughs> uh but it's just there's just so many perfect things in it like i think I'm I'm really hopeful that they're going to be making a new one this in next generation a PS5 one. Uh I know that Netflix is putting out a um an anime for it in the next month and I, that, that makes me hopeful that Capcom hasn't forgotten about this license. It's a Capcom game. Yeah. Uh and I'm hoping they apply a lot of the things they brought into Monster Hunter World because I do love Monster Hunter and the the step from all the regular monster hunters on the ds and 3ds and whatever um into monster hunter world was such a major step and they just did so many incredible things i'm just hoping they can do that to dragon's dogma um that Mm -hmm. it's to me it's medieval monster hunter with a story that's not about hokey animals screwing up the environment so let's kill them all yeah um for sure which is is monster hunter's story all the time (laughs) yeah yeah, there's no real story to Monster Hunter except things are unbalanced. <laughs> we got to fix that. Yeah, kill a monster. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, guys, Dragon's Dogma is definitely one of the best games you'll ever play. I'm telling you now. I couldn't get past the graphics when I first saw it, but when I started playing it, I was like, these graphics are better than they should be, but it's still an amazing game. Like, oh man, I love it. Oh, there's just, it's it's just challenging enough without being like, want to hurt yourself like uh, Dark Souls, which mm-hmm. I, I don't get very far in those kind of games. Uh, if there's just enough challenge, but you can also feel powerful, uh, which is... There is no game I have played yet that makes you feel as powerful as a mage when as Dragon's Dogma does. Like the the spells they let you cast that are just yeah. like completely covering the entire area you're in and just destroy everything in your path. It's mm-hmm. you do feel like an all powerful mage that can just destroy the world. Yeah, like what was that one high bolide? I think it is where you oh, yeah. pull down meteors and you're just oh yeah, and they're everywhere. giant meteors with such heavy impact. And I think that's that's what just gets it. it, it it's a really long cast. It's like on a like you got to have your guys protect you while you have your thirty second cast, but mm-hmm. it's like apocalyptic. So that just to, or the or the tornado where you oh, yeah, where you yeah. just picks up all the all your enemies and just tosses them into the sky. <laughs> yeah, uh, so satisfying. Yeah, it's so much fun. And there's like I think there's like nine different classes you can be in it. Like, mm-hmm. And, and you can keep switching. Specialize. Yeah, you can switch anytime you want. And doing like certain ones gives you better status buffs when you level up than other mm-hmm. ones. It, mm-hmm. There's a lot to think about when you're playing it, but it's still like just basic enough that if you don't want to think about that stuff, you don't have to. You can just play. You can just play. You can just sword and board and just go stab things, and it's still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I am hoping for a multiplayer version. Yes, that would actually be amazing. Oh yeah. man, right? the game's just—I think even the replayability of that game is is underrated too. Like, uh, agreed. I'm on my fifth playthrough of it, guys, and I'm nowhere near finishing it. Like, it's so fun. I love it. Oh yeah, I, it's it's interesting because Capcom made an online kind of MMO style version of it, but they only released it in Japan. And I've I've watched. There's a little bit of gameplay you can find online, but it's all in it's all in Japanese. Um, mm. But I I, th- I I hope they take some of the things they've learned from that, some of the things they've learned from Monster Hunter World, and really apply it to this because I think it could be like the new major player in the RPG, like online shared experience type thing. I don't I don't think it needs to be an MMO, but yeah. I think being able to bring your friends on 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 a quest with you. Uh, to fight these medieval monsters because they are they're giant boss battles, similar vein to Monster Hunter, but they're mystical griffins and I don't know hydras and cyclops. Trolls. And yeah, stuff. the cyclopses. Yeah. So oh, I'm just right? getting jittery thinking about it. I, I I just I am hopeful. I know that uh, and I've, his name has escaped me, but the creator who just made the new Devil May Cry, uh, they gave him a choice because he was their golden boy, whatever he wanted to make. And he said, I was deciding between making uh, a new Dragon's Dogma or a new Devil May Cry. And he chose Devil May Cry, which is fine. I've never, I haven't played those series a lot, um, but I'm hoping he's got, he's, he's been working on Dragon's Dogma now in the background quietly. Yeah. There's always that hope in our brains. Love yep. it. Mm. Yep. Will you talk about Monster Hunter for a second? Yes. So they just released the new, the final update to the first expansion of the game. 
Mm-hmm. Or it's releasing in October, I think. They just released the trailer for it. Yep. And the monster Fatalis is the, the black dragon that they release with it, right? Oh yeah. What do you know anything about this monster? Like you're the you're the monster hunter veteran here. <laughs> I I only played this new one and yeah. I love it, but yeah, I um I have never played the ones that Fatalis is in, but I do know a little bit about him. Um, because I previously like I played a lot of Monster Hunter World. Um, and I previously played Monster Hunter Try on the Wii. Mm. Um, so Fatalis is on one of the the 3DS ones. Um, but he's supposed to be like the the most diabolical of all the Elder Dragons. Um. And he does have multiple forms, so I don't know if they're going to bring multiple forms of him because he has, there's regular, the black one, and he's a, he's a big dragon. Uh, there's a black one, a red one, and a white one. So I don't know if they're going to bring those in or if it's just a classic version. Uh, but it's uh, it's interesting that we're getting a new zone to fight him in because um, mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's pretty deadly from what I've seen. I've seen, I've watched some clips of, of old gameplay of him. Uh, yeah. So it should be interesting to see how they, they transport him into the uh, Monster Hunter world experience. Uh, because I, I can't even get through the Alatreon, so I, I yeah. am afraid. <laughs> I was about to say that. Like, we still got to kill Alatreon before we can even get there. Yeah. But we got yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. But guys, if you haven't played Monster Hunter World and you don't know who Alatreon is, you're missing out. Because he is probably one of the craziest monster fights I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. in the fact that he has like a move where he basically drops like a black hole that sucks everything in and then explodes on you and, it and goes... then you're dead <laughs> i was just so in awe of this attack <laughs> because it just he drops it and everything's like <sighs> it goes quiet and then just like boom oh and i'm like fuck this is wild it, it was crazy I it was... reminded me of when when um Star Wars Episode Two, when they're flying through the like the meteors and and he's being yeah. chased and chasing Jango Fett, and then he drops the bombs into there, and then all the everything goes quiet before the bomb blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's exactly it's... what I saw too when I heard it. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's it's pretty epic. Uh, and, and they've been slowly building to that because Monster Hunter World is like every it's basically just boss fights, right? Boss fight after boss fight after boss fight. Yeah. Uh, and they're all each one successively more outrageous and more powerful and difficult. Uh, and so they just it's almost like they they they're boiling you as a frog, right? Because the the difficulty slowly ramps up until mm-hmm. all of a sudden you realize how hard the guys you're fighting are. Yeah. And this is the moment where I just thought, no, they just threw us in the boiling pot now. Yeah, for sure. I remember hitting that wall and being like, oh my God, guys, this is wild. Because like you and you and Lance, our friend Lance that plays with us, where they're still like a couple or a hundred hours ahead of me at least. I've got like 200 and some hours into the game. Ooh. <laughs> and they're so much higher level than me. I They carry me during the game, but I can usually hold my own now that I've got some good weapons, you know? But yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy just seeing like how hard these monsters are and I can't really do much against them half the time. I just have to be there as like a little nuisance while they actually do the real damage. Yeah, pull some aggro. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, there's that. Oh yep. man. We've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy together lately, right? Yep. Oh yeah. 
Guys, Jeremy actually uh, bought me the game because he couldn't convince me to play it or buy it myself. So he just bought it for me. I just couldn't handle that you weren't playing it. Yeah. So I just was like in that moment of like, oh, I got to play it now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just like, you know, guilt you into playing it. Now you, you can't spurn my gift. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> See, I'm not like a huge fan of MMOs, but when I get into them, I'm like, okay, this is fun. Like, I like this one because I'm playing with you and Lance, but. Yeah, and I think it's a different MMO experience, maybe. I don't know. For me, it has been. I've played some other MMOs, but none of them, like, major ones. I played uh, DC Universe Online. Mm-hmm. I played uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. But I played yeah. them all as kind of solo experiences. I just want to play through the game, enjoy the story. Uh, I don't care if I get hyper-involved with a lot of people in guilds and everything like that. Um, I just want to play the game. Yeah, exactly. See, I, I played The Old Republic for a while. And I got pretty high, but I think once you mm-hmm. get like super high, it's all about having a guild and like dedicated people to run with kind of thing. And the right builds and stuff. And yeah, exactly. I'm not looking, I'm not looking for that experience, but Old Republic, it's interesting that the single player stories and just the missions for that were interesting enough for me, but maybe that was just my power dream of being a Sith Lord and conquering <laughs> everybody. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, it says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, guys, if we play any game with Jeremy, he's always a mage. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and if and I can be an evil to... mage, that's even better. Yeah, exactly. I think what we were playing uh, Pathfinder that time where you were just like a mage that would like kill stuff and then bring it back to life out of your pocket to fight yes. for you. Yes, yes, I was a uh, some kind of a summoner and I could, yeah, yeah I could like trap the the characters and then or the enemies after I killed them and then use them as weapons. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one's so fun. Mm-hmm. Great. Man, we got to play more tabletop RPGs. I always Agreed. forget about them. Agreed. I mean, I think this whole isolation has, has thrown a, a monkey wrench and all of that. I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. getting back to some, some board games and tabletop games for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's always fun. And I, I think we got to get some more Pathfinder, maybe some D&D, you know. Yeah, we got to get back to that. We did one session, and I I haven't been able to since. But it was that fun was a, that was a fun session. Come on, sure. we skinned the enemies and wore the <laughs> wore them as our our um our disguises, and then I used my magic to make us smell like them. So we yeah. fooled the dogs. We walked right on in there. That was a great <laughs> great <laughs> mat. Oh, I love that session. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're running. We're starting to run out of time here, so I'll start wrapping up. But. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on with me this week, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks happy to be here. Taking time out of your schedule to mm-hmm. to run with me. Uh, thanks for all the knowledge that you imparted on what you do and your program and how for to get sure. involved, kind of thing, and mm-hmm. go from there. Um, if you guys want, I will leave a little link here to Nate's website so that you guys can get involved if you want to. It's up to you. I'm definitely not going to push anyone into anything they never want to do, but. Yeah, so great week. Thanks, Jeremy. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.